One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to part two of our in-depth review of Skyfall. Really, So we've we've done the we've done the title sequ- the pre-title sequence. <laughs> on to the uh, <laughs> on to the it's as long as uh, no time to die. This isn't it, honestly. We brace ourselves now for the actual title sequence with the Adele title song. So Daniel Kleiman was back after graphic design studio MK12 did the Quantum of Solace. I don't know why. I don't know why there was a shift there, but so yes, Kleiman managed to incorporate some of the story elements, uh, the return of scantily clad silhouetted women. Although pretty sparing in that sense, uh, not nowhere near as as, as a, a number as in Casino Royale, and not as gratuitous as some of the the eighties films. There is a more gratuitous uh, shots of Craig's blue eyes, of course, which seems to be what they're mainly interested in in these films at the moment. We get things like we get the sniper wound in Bond's chest, not his uh, not his shoulder, John Bond moving through multiple surreal environments. Uh, so Bond again is in. Is in the title sequence, which is Craig. I think he's in all of them, isn't he? Unlike uh, some of the Bonds, I think earlier he's he's maybe in one, one every other. Sorry, swirling around, yeah, topless, yeah, well, <laughs> with manta rays flying around him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe we would have had more than two films. Yeah, yeah. if I well, Hall of Mirrors, like I say, which. Is you know Bond probably to be his character, and you know is he looking at himself and what he should be? I don't know. We've got a riverbed, Skyfall itself, uh, the the house, the the mansion, another another posh Oxford Cambridge no Cambridge graduate Bond. You've got Chinese lanterns, which of course we'll see later. Target circles from an indoor shooting range with Bond's face on. I'm not sure whether that refers to his training or people are trying to hunt Bond. We get a bit of silver and his red skull calling card. We get the sky falling. The sky fall. We get pistols, swords, daggers, another graveyard. And then as as the Casino Royale pre-title sequence, sorry, title sequence concludes with a zoom on James Bond, Daniel Craig's eyes. Do we do we like this? Not not the song, this is just the title sequence itself. 
I'm going to go in first. I love it. Oh, good <laughs> job. Good. You go for, you go it. for it, John. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to stand on my own and I'm going to defend this. I, I think we are the nonsense that was that awful thing in Quantum of Solace. Horrendous. <clears throat> it looked like it was done on a Looked like it was done on a Sega Dreamcast, those graphics. <laughs> I think the colour palette in this in this scheme is beautiful. And uh, I love how it tells the story. Yeah, I, I, well, I remember watching this at the cinema and I was blown away. And I'm going to say it now before it gets slated. I love the song. Steady on. I love the song. I I think the song works perfectly. Yes, the lyrics are a bit basic, but it respects Bond. It goes back to the basics. It respects Bond. It's a grand scale song. It's got the brass in it. Oh, I stand by it. It's no, the Skyfall (laughs) song and the Skyfall graphics are good. And a, a I'll stop there because I'm not making any sense, but I'm passionate about it. The good. <laughs> no, I, I like. I like your passion. Your passion. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> I think I'll fall between you and um, and then Chris and Tom, who I imagine aren't quite as positive as you. Should we say that, uh, John? <laughs> I think I think it's all right. I don't. I don't mind this. You know, the fact it's showing bits of the story, like the Chinese stuff, the the flash of silver. Obviously, it shows like a sort of graphic of the house that isn't actually the house it's a bit of a you know cgi type thing but this is all yeah. all cgi um something i wanted to mention was that the grave that just says bond on it that really made me laugh i laughed out loud when uh, we were watching it. um as opposed to uh yeah. monique delacroix bond yeah yeah exactly i don't like the fact it ends on his face I mean, it's, it's just all you know it's all to do with him as bond craig as bond but i'm okay with it if you want us to come to come onto the song uh, shortly, we can do that so that I can, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll save that. We'll come on to that, Matt. Chris, what do you think about the the actual titles themselves? <laughs> I know you're a big. You're, oh, you're uh, Daniel fan. I, I was for something like that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the work he did in that was making you know Bond relevant and 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 tying in the film, the theme of the film into the titles. And this does it does tie in, you know, there's some nice motifs and, and themes. It does touch all like like you mentioned about kind of you know the the, the stuff that's in Shanghai, you know, the dragons, this or that. But the, it just has, you know, I don't know. It, it's uninspiring. It, it, it is. I, I was watching it again today, thinking it, it feels like a naff. I, I take that back. It's not naff. <laughs> I, I, I take it. It has. It feels like John. Don't listen. Horror. Oh, <laughs> you know the the, the knives that turn into gravestones. You know it has like a horror theme. It's like, it's like naff hammer horror, and I, I and I can't get on with it because I, I feel that it is. It's too again. It's just a bit too on the nose. I want. I want. I want, I want something interesting, and 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 um and and I don't want the actor who's playing Bond to be in the title sequence, and that's a personal preference. I want it to be standalone, and I want to get away from nipples and silhouettes because it is the year of our Lord twenty twenty, and I think <laughs> we're, uh, we're we got kind of beyond that. We got Daniel's nipples in uh, Spectre, so that was well, cool. I don't mind that. It's like that's fine. Nipples, it's belonging to a man. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you don't like Roger, sort of, uh, with the you know, I, I, to be honest, doing no, a merry go round with I the girls, did. swinging them around. No, and stuff. no I never did. I never did because because for me, it's just like it feels, it feels a bit cartoonish. It feels like I think the title sequence should be a little bit abstract that touches on the themes of the film that you're about to watch, um, and that's my only criticism. And I'll say this now: my only criticism of on Her Majesty's Secret Service is the title sequence, and some of it is not quite as as, as interesting or as innovative as I'd hope. But for this, I just it, well, I fell flat for me. Just on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I thought what they were trying to do. I know we're not talking about that film now, but I thought that was just trying to link this new actor to yeah, and we're not. to the past. Yeah, uh, yes. I, 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 that was what what it was all about. Yeah, I just think it could have. Been, yeah, it could, but it could have just been done much better. Yeah, and I think, and, and I think, and this is the thing: the, the gun barrel, the music, the 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 the, the all the, the stuff that you associate with Bond, that is the link to the past. I don't need a signposting to say, "Look, here's the other actor; he's not doing it anymore. Here's another scene from an old <laughs> film. He, we're not doing this anymore. Here's the new film." I I, I can't be doing with that because it treats its audience as, as idiots, and I think it should be. The gun barrel, the, the fact it's 007, is enough for an audience to go. This is a continuation. This is this is Bond, and the problem. And this is the problem with the, the Daniel Craig tenure is it's a reboot, but it's not a reboot because suddenly his car is the same car from Goldfinger. <laughs> it does the same things. So, so is this the same? Is this the oh, same Bond hurting. who was exactly? And it's like, hang on, a minute. <laughs> where are we up to in here? What's happening? Chris, what's your opinion on the James Bond code name theory? Oh. Well, as in as in 007 being for No, I I think James Bond is James Bond. I think double O's can be for anyone. Brilliant. In my, in my, my James Oberhead. But James Bond is James Bond. <laughs> I I'm glad you think that, mate. I'm glad. Because I, I am with you all the way. But when you said about like don't treat the audience as idiots, I, I do agree with that. I completely agree with that from Majesties. But you'll be absolutely I'm I'm dumbfounded by the amount of people who think that James Bond is just a code name that you're given uh when you become 007. And it's like, no, this is James and he's the man, you know. Yeah, because because 007 is the code. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and yes, yeah. I think I think I, I don't, I, I'm not surprised about double O seven. Yeah, yeah. I think I think James Bond is a character of his own. You know, if you want to spin that off or whatever, do whatever you want, then that's fine. It's a 007 who's in the future. You know, James Bond Jr. is 007. You know, I don't care, but he's not James. You know, he's not the James Bond. You know? yeah. Jane Bond. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Going back to what you say, Chris, about the sort of 80s Bond twirling girls around and lots of gratuitous women and pretty absolute edges of a PG, goodness me. But... You have to sort of to to have something. The the best form of flattery is things like watching Spy Hard. Have you have you seen the opening titles of that? I mean, that's just absolutely brilliant. How it <laughs> the women swimming, doing these gusting poses and stuff. I mean, it's just genius. Person. I mean, you get the the Weird Al Yankovic song, which makes it even better. Arguably one of the best Bond songs of the last thirty years. But <laughs> that's another debate. When you have we we discussed from Rush with Love, didn't we? And you get a little insight, you get plot points-ish, you know, put on, silhouetted onto the bodies. Goldfinger, of course, you get the same thing onto the gold bodies. You get 
previews of the film coming up, a bit like what Mission Impossible started to do now, by giving you little spoilers into the film, which I, Matthew will know this, when I see a new film, uh, Mission Impossible film, the cinema, I cover my eyes during that scene and just listen to the music because I do not I do not want to be told what, what's going on. But we all, I, I can't remember whether we knew, did we know going to this that Skyfall was his house, his, his old gaff? I can't remember. No. It. it was no. just a random word, wasn't it? And we didn't have any Skyfall. what relevance it had to the plot. Skyfall. <laughs> yeah. But it's not that um, interesting. It's not, it's not an interesting element. <laughs> it's not. It isn't. No. And the thing is, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, the fact that it's called Skyfall is, it's not exploited. It's not, let's talk about, let's talk about no. his childhood. Let's not make this about, like, this is, you know, Daniel Craig's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. It, ne- it never is that. It's literally a building that gets blown up. That, that that's all it that's all it represents. It's not you know it, it it could have been interesting, but I think we're skipping ahead. Yeah, if we'd have seen footage of him and <laughs> him and um, Blofeld playing as children, that would have been an insight into the, the Skyfall family home. But it, they wouldn't have called it Two Mulberry Way, would they? It wouldn't really have worked as a Bond title. <laughs> you know, Seven Redisher Avenue or something like that. It has to have a sort of Bondian name. That's the only link. That's the Revolutionary Road, isn't it? Oh, if only, John. If only. Whenever we're preparing a new James Bond film, everybody always asks the same questions. Who's the villain? Who's the girl? And who's singing the song? And for the 50th anniversary, we were determined that we would find a real powerhouse female vocalist who would deliver a classic Bond theme. And obviously, the person that came to mind was Adele. We were really excited at the possibility of having her. She came to meet with us, she read the script, she took it very, very seriously. And she's written with Paul Epworth a beautiful song that delivers on every level. And of course, she has the most extraordinary voice. So, couldn't be better. Dream come true. That was Barbara Broccoli on the title song by Adele. Should we, uh, should we discuss the song? Uh, of course, Adele co-wrote it with her regular collaborator, Paul Letworth, who, who produced the track. So again, we didn't get the composer writing the melody and then, you know, you Hal David or someone like that doing the lyrics. It's completely fresh. I think the producers clearly, she was probably the biggest name in music at the time. She just had uh, mega album 21. So any any song she was going to release then, because she takes about, a bit like Michael Jackson did and George Michael, about five years between each album, any song in between that's going to be absolutely massive. So they're on to a winner, effectively, the producers nailing her down for this in terms of it would be a global event, wasn't it, really, whenever Adele releases a new song. Clearly, again, it's they're trying to go for the Shirley Bassey, in inverted commas, soulful uh, ballad, aren't they, With, of the early films. You like this. Sam, you'll like this. You'll like this. Sam Mendes played the demo to uh, Barbara Broccoli and Daniel Craig and both shed a tear. Just so, it's just so moving, isn't it? <laughs> uh, like, uh, a hard pass for me. It's not for <laughs> I don't think it should be a great, you know, oh, it's, it's really interesting. It's far too repetitive. It's far too, it's not interesting. It, it, it is just, it's lots of rhyming with 
how can we rhyme Skyfall with something else? For me, it doesn't work. But <laughs> it's not. But, but, but also, I don't think it's not one of the worst. I think we'll reserve that for uh, Sam Smith. Oh, my word. I can't have so much to say on this. John, go on. Give us give some praise. Go on. You've already oh, tried I'm it. Gonna let Math, I'm going to let Math have his Oh, opinion. go on, Math. Go on, Math. Math's yeah. death. Okay, yeah, again, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting on the fence. I, d- I don't mind this song. I think it's it's decent. I think it is trying to be Bond. I think it's a little bit too babyishly trying to be Bond. Like, you know, I, I, I just, I do, I'm, I really I really want the composer to be involved with, with um, the theme song so that they can use the melodies. And I, one of the problems that I do have with the song is that the melody, you know, it's not melody is not that interesting for the chorus and that. So it would be, it's not that easy to put in. You know, you wouldn't be able to. I might, might be wrong, but you know, like, I, I can't imagine hearing yeah. that. I know, I know, um, I know they do have a bit of the uh, instrumental, which works quite well later. But yeah, I, I think it's all right. I, I think, I think nowadays what they're desperate for is for a really big current artist to do it, and just the way times are now. There's no way you could say to Adele, well, I just don't hit you would up, Adele or Sam Smith or um, Billie Eilish, oh, Thomas Newman is going to uh, be co-writing this with you or Hans is going to be co-writing this with you because we think it's really important that the score has those elements within it. And I think it, it suff- suffers a bit for that because, you know, some of the ones that Barry did and, and uh, you know, I'm going to be mentioning Living Daylights quite a few times in my day-to-day life, not just not just <laughs> this uh, podcast. Three songs, three songs that Barry co-writes so that he can then use those melodies within the score. That is what I want. But standalone, I hear the song, I think, yeah, not bad. Not bad, I'll take it. Can't disagree with a word Math said there. Uh, I, I actually fully agree with the point about the composer should be involved in it. I think you've got to look contextually of what's come before and what's come after. One of my reasons that I really like Skyfall is it respects the Bond fans and not many Bond films of the Craig era has. The song before that is the one of the worst pieces of music, if you want to call that, I have ever had in my ear. I mean, like, I mean, I, I actually quite like Alicia Keys and Jack White, but there are actual parts that she sings out of tune and they never bothered. Like, and and it's like you never actually even bothered to auto-tune it. I mean, it's so late. Production's shoddy. Horrendous. And then we had this song after, (laughs) which is appalling about the writings on the wall. And and I'm I'm sorry, like, you might like it, but the reason I hated writings on the wall was how slow it is. how slow it is. They've managed to like make it twice as slow on this latest one, and it's like, it's what is going on? All oh, we gosh. want is melody. All we want is production, and and I feel like I've been. You know my name. Now, Next, I love you know my name. It's one of my favourites, <laughs> but it's not very, but it's not very Bond-like. But I absolutely what? love the song. I, That's I, the last one, isn't it, where the composers, David Arnold composed the music for it, didn't it? Yeah, and if it wasn't for David Arnold's string section in the middle of it, that could be quite easily a song that Chris Cornell used as audio slave. 
you know, it could quite easily have been that but for the string section, but it's a brilliant, brilliant song. But I mm. feel that Skyfall respects that, respects the Bond themes. Yes, I'm never going to deny it's harking back to Goldfinger. It's harking back to Thunderball. It's simplistic in its lyrics. But it realises that we're on a 50th year anniversary and we need to point back to why people love Bond. Now, I know you love Die Another Day, but asking Madonna to sing Sigmund Freud, analyse this, is not <laughs> I don't how think they the Bond I think Bond. their own idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you accusing, John? No, I know you love it, Tom. Well, I'm sorry, I'm just going to speak. I really do. Right, so what I'll say is Mark Gattis, Mark Gatiss, he, he's a big Bond fan and legend of, uh, of TV or whatever. He he said, I think it was on a documentary about the Bond music, was saying that people seem to have got this idea where that sound, the, the that sort of sound for the Adele song, is what we need in a Bond song. That's sort of the go-to thing. But if you think about the most popular, enduring Bond songs, like A View to a Kill, Live and Let Die, they're nothing like that. You know, they're, 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 he's saying they're completely not what you'd expect if you just heard, like, oh, right, this is the new Bond, Bond theme, they, of course, they sound very Bond now, but the sort of structure of them, the guitars, the way that, the way they're done is is not the Shirley Bassey mould at all. So I, I, I like it when a Bond song isn't by the numbers, isn't, you know, isn't Skyfall, for once, you know, not being awful. It, you can't criticise it in the sense that it's well sung. I don't think she actually... I think she could go even more big on it. It's not, I mean, it's nowhere near Gladys Knight, is it, in terms of the vocal? Nowhere near the, the quality and the, the the epic. I mean, goodness me. That, again, License Killed, the song, is a version of, yes, it's got, it's even credited, you know, I have to credit John Barry for the notes from Goldfinger, but it's got that adult contemporary, um, well, no, R&B, R&B feel to it, hasn't it? Which was of late 80s, which is very... Uh, Whitney, that kind of era, which I had the great production on that, which makes it classic in terms of a brilliant vocal, but also you've got the beat, the R&B beat in the background. Because music, I'm going on here, because music these days is largely, it's just going over the same old tropes again, isn't it? There's nothing, there's no real new musical genre or period that we're going through, in my opinion, at the moment. It's, it's, it's more regressive, I'd say, and sort of going digressing isn't it I am digressing Sky, Skyfall just does exactly what it says in the tin and it gets a pass it gets an Oscar you know it gets all the awards it gets a pat on the back it hit it was number two in, in the UK so it wasn't as popular as uh, Sam Smith's song in the UK since A View to a Kill only Adele Skyfall and one other song have been top ten in America can you name the other one you don't have to say welcome to Scotland. Die another day. Correct, Math. Of course it was. Of course it was. Um, the name. <laughs> I know you'll say that's because it was Madonna. All right. Of course well, it was. Anyway. <laughs> she could yeah, bring could out say about Adele. the wheels on the bus and it'd get top ten. <laughs> <laughs> they did, I think. There was a version of sort of Madonna. Yeah, she really Madonna. Madonna. version of wheels on the bus. Yeah. Yeah, Madonna. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm going to defend another day. Madonna's song I certainly am <laughs> but this yeah annoyingly the, the Adele song doesn't feature on the soundtrack so I, you really don't get much value for money on that soundtrack so, um, 
And they don't. They haven't really done that on the recent Bond soundtracks. They didn't do it for, for Casino Royale. They didn't put "You Know My Name" on, even though it's David Arnold. I don't understand. I think they did it for your favourite song. Um, I can't forget what it's called now. Another way to die. Another way of having die in the title, or whatever it's called. For Spectre again, it doesn't feature on there. They just get the instrumental well, at the bus station. Every yeah, every cloud. <laughs> yeah. We do hear, we do hear it later, don't we? We hear, we hear whispers of, of the of the sort of start of the chorus. Like Matt says, it's not enough of a melody to carry through as a proper theme in the sort of John Barry vein. It's it's nicely done in the Chinese the Chinese uh, entrance scene, but it has to be seeded into the Bond theme to make it proper Bond, doesn't it? Really. So like I say, it was a very popular song. It was uh, number two in the UK, number eight in the US. Won an Oscar where, of course, Adele performed on the uh, the stage at the Academy Awards. Won a Grammy, a Golden Globe, a Brit Award. I mean, it's just, you know, what a song, incredible. But it doesn't appear on the soundtrack, which is what we were grumbling at before. Here I can play you guys an interesting cover because obviously this is post-Shaken and Stirred. We don't have an official David Arnold version of it. But um, got an interesting version by a band called Exit Eden. This is the end. Rob Parker would absolutely love this. <laughs> How bond is this song? Goodness me. Hear my heart burst again. For this is the end. I've drowned and dreamt this moment. Thought so far, chap. Before we hit the chorus. So overdue, <laughs> Derivative. Derivative of something derivative. <laughs> it sounds like uh, when you go to the pineapple pub on a Friday night and uh, uh, <laughs> Sharon's had a few too many bevies <laughs> and she decides to get on the karaoke, don't she, really? This <laughs> <laughs> is it Eden, that uh, version. <laughs> Unusual voice, isn't it? Right, well. It doesn't add everything new to it. It's merely an hors d'oeuvre. We've got uh, lots more of those to come. Right. <laughs> Make me work so we can work for working hard. And I promise you can't get so much more than I get just haven't got to yours yet. So we get on to the film itself, the post-title sequence. That's with the main body, the main course. And we're in London, which I think is a definite uh, 
nod to where the series, you know, this we, we had all the pomp and circumstance to the London Olympics. Britain was very big in the world, very popular at that time. I think Sam Mendes wanted to see see the world of MI6 a bit more. We go right through to the the headquarters, an awful lot of the film is in London, and I think that was a obviously a deliberate decision. There's lo- there's also other imagery throughout the film. There's loads of Union Jacks. We get them on the caskets later on. M's bulldog, of course, is the main one, which uh, we'll discuss. <laughs> but the first, the first that's great. Yeah, don't, yeah. Well, <laughs> if I'm, I'm in no way saying I wish Daniel would die. I'm just, <laughs> he would rather slit his wrists. Can't keep quoting that after this one. Yeah. So, M is writing Bond's obituary. I don't understand that. Can someone please explain what? Would she be the one who wrote it? Is she writing for the newspaper? Who's she, what? I don't understand. Is she a journalist? Yeah, but there's no family members, are there? So it's probably she's probably the nearest. The whole thing they're going for this film is that Em's his mother, kind of thing. Like she's the next of kin. So that that's how I interpret it is that they've just got someone close to him to write it. Yeah, but normally don't for an obituary, don't you? Doesn't a, a, so M would provide that information to a journalist <laughs> or to <laughs> well, yeah. So then, or to Elliot Carver to uh, to, to write or <laughs> well, that's that's true. Very yes. good. Yeah. Tomorrow's news yeah. today. Rare Brosnan <laughs> reference on this podcast. <laughs> in time. But, yeah, in time. Will you yield? Will I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, do, I just don't... This is a Bond film, so you've got a bit of disbelief suspended for this, but for someone to die, especially a secret agent, either you cover it up and you couldn't care less about them and you disavow knowledge, or you wait seven years until... you if you don't have a corpse I don't I don't understand what, how long it's been I don't I still don't understand why Bond has been away I don't understand why M doesn't seem to care less has she tried to phone him does she think he's dead I've just got so many questions going on and I just I'm already slightly annoyed at this film I'm sorry John yeah no I think you're right I think it is ridiculous <laughs> for her to be sat there she's the head of MI6 she's got she's got well she's got Eight or the double O eight just to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, mummy's calling. You know, and, and also, yeah, it's. I think it is, it is a terrible conceit that she would sit there and write that. <laughs> who who would? Who who would? Why why? Like I don't understand. Someone else needs to, to, to explain this to me as well. I don't. Yeah, understand yeah, I mean, I I don't understand why why she's writing it, but I'm, I mean, I'm not that bothered, and I I just take it to mean that you know she's it, she presumes. She assumes he's dead because he should, you know, she knows from Money Penny that he's been shot by her. So um, she must off be that bridge. up for murder then. I which don't which would have No, <laughs> no, because it's in the in the in the, line, in the line of duty. She was she was oh. told to and it was a Do you get this annoyed about the obvious logistical problems with you only live twice? Oh, you mean yeah, Bond dying all that. Yeah. That, that people check his pulse and say that he's dead, but then they can throw him off a off a, a ship and land him in the sea, and he's absolutely fine. Does that wind you up as much? Does it have beautiful John Barry music as he's gliding through the water? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love them both. I haven't got a problem with it, but I just yeah. think we've got to like we've got to we've got to take a bit of leeway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's. I understand what they're trying to do, and. As I say, you have to suspend a bit of disbelief. 
it's just all a bit odd because what we'll go into it, but when he comes back, it's like everyone doesn't even know he's there. They couldn't care less. Money Penny surely would be absolutely a hug him and be despairing that he's alive and it just walks past him as a little chat. I don't understand. And M isn't particularly nice to him or acts any different with him. It's really odd. If you think about it, if you stand back and think about it, if it wasn't a Bond film and your main character has been shot, missing, we don't know for how long, why he's, why he's depressed and all, we'll get onto that shortly, but the fact that I just, anyway, right, I'm done. done. Well, it makes more <laughs> sense for like Tanner to, to write it up, who in this film, yeah. I, I, what is his role? Is he like her executive assistant he, <laughs> you know it's like he's, he's a receptionist and yeah. wherever M is he stood up, up until obviously the, you know later on he's always there with her I don't get that that in, in the dynamic I, I, I assume he's just, he's just her like second in command type thing or well uh, so, so he's, he's a bit more of a dog's body maybe than a second in command yeah. but but I, again I, I don't have any issue with this <laughs> and I, I quite Quite like him. He's a different Bill Tanner to Michael Kitchen, who seems to have yeah. a bit more power and authority and and stuff. But I like Rory Kinnear. I think they have some oh, yeah, good yeah. banter. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to try and stick up where I can for this for this film. And <laughs> Tom, I, I understand these concerns, but none of them had really bothered me or or um, they haven't been until <laughs> I trouble me. Like, like, I, I, <laughs> they say it bothered me. I was like, "Why is she writing?" Is a yeah, bit strange. Yeah, the head of MI6. Yeah, we've got to move on from this a bit. We get, well, it's like the screenwriter said. Yeah, <laughs> it's glazed over that detail. We we mentioned Rory Kinnear, so we'll just chat a little bit about him. I I thought this was his first film when I was looking back on it because, of course, it was the first film with M, uh, the new Money Penny. Sorry. First of the Ray Fiennes character, first Q, but he was he was following M all over the world in Quantum of Solace. So it is the second of uh, four so far because he is in No Time to Die and he's on those posters as the main the main poster boy for that film. Another Oxford graduate. <laughs> so this is becoming a, a running theme. His dad, of course, was uh, Roy, who famously died whilst filming The Return of the Musketeers. Who uh, he fell off his horse and died as a result of injuries sustained there. And the director, Richard Lester, who's done some great films, uh, such as Superman 3, he, he quit the film business as a, as a result of that. So it's uh, it quite harrowing. There is a link between John Logan and Rory Kinnear, if anyone, if anyone can get that one. I think it's only me who's seen this in the world. In fact, it's got a link with another James Bond, guy who played a James Bond. It only seems to be me who's seen this. Is it, is it, is it any dreadful? It is, yes. Yeah. Which was written by John Logan. He plays uh, Frankenstein's monster. He's a mon- he's not the creator. He's the mon- <laughs> it's quite funny if you see if you see the uh, <laughs> the creature, like soft, very softly spoken, lovely guy, Rory Kinnear with this weird haircut. But anyway. Yeah, well Timothy Dalton's in that as well. It's amazing, mate. And he's great, yeah, isn't it? Eva Green. And Eva Green. In fact, it's basically just just all the best bits of the, the recent the recent bombs, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, so right, I mean, there's not an awful lot to say about uh, Bill Tanner in this or the other films, but he's a he's a steady he's a steady presence, I suppose. Yeah, so the first the first thing after this uh, writing the bittery, another another bit of a curse, bloody waste of my time. Uh, I think she she says um, she likes that. 
There's a, a computer drive, isn't there, featuring a list of the agents, which we've we've already mentioned is has already been done. The the forcing M to retire, aren't they? Uh, Gareth Gareth Mallory is introduced. He's like the mm. almost the go between with the the government. I think are putting pressure on the MI6 that they're not yielding results. He appears to be a bit hardline to start with, and I think they were clearly going for. Oh, is he actually going to be an insider? They may, the you know audience made mm. you think is he going to be a bit of a baddie? He might turn on them. I, that's what I thought anyway. But he does mellow throughout the film. I've always interpreted it that way as well. Although watching back this time, I actually think he's reasonably sympathetic with Em in that first scene. Yeah. He tells that she's had a good run. You know, he wants to put it slightly and says it's we'll have an early retirement. And then he just gives the basic facts over why she needs to leave, really. And to be honest, in a standing back and looking at from an objective perspective you can understand why they wanted to retire from that he's far harsher on bond when he turns back but as we've saw already bond's got a dreadful record bond is an absolute liability so i can understand why he's like that you know yeah and mallory we learn he was a he's been a former lieutenant colonel of british army so he would know a thing or two about doing these kind of things so he's obviously not been impressed with uh with bond We've we've discussed, of course, Ray Fiennes uh, as M in the in the M special. Chris, you weren't there for that. You you fan of uh, the character and of uh, Ray Fiennes? I am. Yeah, I think he's I think he's great. I think he, like you say, he, he sort of comes in and sort of mixes up a little bit. You know, he's he's sort of suddenly you know M's on her sort of back foot. You know that he's oh, what are they going to do with this character? Obviously, you you know they're going to do something decent with him because he's. he's Ray Fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But he has a presence, and I think, you know, and I, I can't help thinking that I was like, well, he must have auditioned for, for Bond at some stage. Yeah. And he has a kind of like, uh, he stands very straight, doesn't he? And he has a he has a very rigidness to his performance, which I quite like. I think he's, I think he's, he's he, I think he's a, a really great character, and it's, it's nice to see him sort of be cast. Uh, but yeah, and I, it's nice that he gets involved <laughs> later thought, on. Whenever you but, said Bond, um, I thought, oh hey, I thought even now. No, no, I, no. I think, I think, he, I think. Yeah, I, I'm all for, for for him. I'm just thinking ahead of for the, the next film where I could do with less of him. But yeah, his first scene, Inspector, when he's at the desk, sort of bollocking Bond for the Mexico thing. I think that's very, very old school. Yeah. You can picture that happening in the previous films. Mm-hmm. The dialogues crisp, I think, and he's he's more like the he's more like the sort of hardline Robert Brown M, as it were. Then yeah. not maybe as uh, scary as Bernard Lee, but uh, I've, I've, yeah, we're big fans of Ray Fiennes. Like I think to say, a great addition, yeah, a great addition to the, the cast. And I hope he stays. I hope he stays after No Time to Die. Even absolutely, if, you know, Craig doesn't. There's no need to, to change him. If they didn't change Judy Dench for Daniel Craig's Bond, then I don't see any reason why they should this time. So the next scene Agreed. is uh, another famous scene. Roger Deakins in his element here, shooting some lovely idyllic island beach hut. So I don't know how Bond's got here. I don't know whether anyone saw him. I suppose he's a, a secret agent, so that's fair enough. He, they wouldn't. He's got his Heineken, but that isn't enough to stop him being depressed. He's got an absolute babe in his bed. He's still depressed. I wish Rob was here. I don't. I have no idea. What would Rob say about this? I, I mean, I think I could probably guess. Please, please, someone just 
I, I don't know where where is it supposed to be because obviously he fell off the thing in Turkey. Where do we know where this is supposed to be? I imagine it was more like Thailand Thailand or that sort of. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. But the people, anyway, yeah. Anyway, um, it's you know, he's got his stubble. Yeah. He's got his stubble, which means, oh, you know, he's obviously a bit, he's struggling a bit because he's not bothered to shave. (laughs) Not a shave. (laughs) Yeah, his his treatment, his treatment of the woman isn't particularly great. I mean, I don't know whether. You know, she might be okay with that. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then they got the, the the drinking game with the the uh, the scorpion. I get a few callbacks to Raiders of the Lost Ark here, a little bit, but not as yes, not as yes. good as that. And I was, I, when I was watching it the other day with Harry, I, think I said, "Just imagine swapping Roger Moore in this scene." <laughs> <laughs> um, and this whole thing, I mean, we'll talk about. And I, I know Bond Bond likes to drink, and he, you know. He drinks probably to excess, and there's the joke in Dine of the Day about you know liver not too good. It's definitely him then. But this idea that he's an alcoholic and he's you oh. know, it's really destroying him and stuff like that. What like whoa whoa whoa. Oh, I, I thought he had control. You know, I'm not obviously abuse of alcohol isn't is not a good thing. It's a terrible thing, and I don't know. But I always thought that it was just a. It wasn't. It wasn't something he relied on necessarily as something that was part of him. You know, a, a, a treat for him, or maybe not a treat, but he liked the finer things in life, and that included absolutely. nice, nice alcoholic drink. Where suddenly, I don't know. In this film, he's, he suddenly becomes like an absolute alcoholic. But then we don't see massive for ten minutes. Other than he looks and hasn't bothered to shave. Absolutely, Muff. I mean, that you look at the Roger Moore era and every single drink he has is an enjoyment or even you look at the Pierce Brosnan and it's like, I'll have, you know, I'll have a mojito and a cigar. Mojito. It's an enjoyment kind of thing. You know, it's definitely, it's pushing that kind of bond secret agent thing here. Uh, <laughs> he has to be a tormented soul, doesn't he? It's, it, it, it's very frustrating mm. in terms of that all five of his films at some point he's either quit or he is not part of the British Secret Service. And all five of them, uh, because obviously we're starting that at known times to die. And if if you were, because they want to push the realistic thing, if that was actually an issue, the British Secret Service would go, right, let's sign you off and let's get you some psychological help. Because actually somebody who's quitting right, left and centre like that is not actually going to be a very good secret agent for us. And they've got genuine issues. To me, it fits in with the Craig character. It does, like Casino Royale, the first after the big fight, the first thing he does, he gets the whiskey. It fits in with it. But does it fit in with James Bond? Probably not. Or probably not, certainly not the cinematic James Bond to this level anyway. Can you just explain to me why he is depressed? I will just speculate why he is depressed for, for a start. As opposed to Money Penny, who's the one who's I'm, actually shot somebody, yeah. he's gone missing. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's not. It, the character hasn't earned that. He hasn't. <laughs> he's got. He got shot on the job, like which is a terrible thing. Yeah, but also, no. You are a spy. You are a spy, <laughs> and it's expected that you would get wounded at some stage in your life, in your career. So he got shot, and was just like went off into the river. And and then we appeared <laughs> on some, like you say, this, this, this amazing island with you know with this beautiful woman, 
drinking, you know, Heineken. All right, okay, I'd, 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 get, I'd, I'd probably get a bit <laughs> can't have it all though, can you? No, but then, yeah, exactly. And then goes off for his drinking game with this ridiculous notion that you know, like drinking whiskey or whatever it is, with a scorpion on your on your wrist. It's it's just it's it's so silly, and he hasn't earned it. He, he's like he got shot. That was it. Terrible, yeah. but he wasn't betrayed. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, there's no reason why he couldn't have just turned up at some other station and said, <laughs> "You know, I've been, you know, I've been injured. I'm coming Sorry back in that. from the cold or whatever it is." Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing to stop him from doing that. But he's because again, because it's Craig is sullen, grumpy teenager. I'm going <laughs> to go to my room and I'm going to sit there with my Heineken, and then eventually I'm going to, you know, I'll appear because you need me, not because actually I want to do this job. And it is, and this is what I find frustrating about about his character, and the characterization of Bond via Daniel Craig is that he is always he's he's so reluctant to do everything that it, it, it annoys me. I just want to slap his face because he's just he's, <laughs> he's a, a sullen teenager. It's like you know what you've got so much. You know you know what you can go back to Scotland where you've got this massive estate <laughs> and decide not to do that. <laughs> you know, you've got a flat in London that gets sold because you died, but you actually didn't die. There's just it, 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 it's you've got very, an EV drive in a garage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got an Aston yeah. Martin in the guy. It's like what have you yeah. cashed up, isn't about? it? Maybe that's how yeah. he yeah, absolutely go to Thailand. Or... Yeah, it's such a it's such a silly and and, and again, it, it's not it's not nothing to do with like the film. It's to do with he, the, the character hasn't earned him being, you know, like. Being cross with them, being you know, you know, cross with with, with money, penny, it, it, it just isn't there. It's just it's just lazy writing. It's like, right, okay, well, he's got shot. What should we do with him? Oh, I know what's really good. I know what's slightly edgy, but I'm not really edgy. Let's have him have a slight alcohol problem on a beach somewhere. And it's it's such a ridiculous thing. And I think, you know, in the novels, he does have a drink later on. He does have a drink problem. He has a pill problem because he's absolutely battered. His, his his body aches all the time. He is a mess, and I think he's got all these, you know, the, the 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 ghosts of the women he hasn't saved, and he's got all the ghosts of all the missions that have gone wrong. And it's sort of believable. But in this, he got shot on a job, and he's a spy. Sorry, but you know, get over it. I mean, one of the things I think with Skyfall with this thing is that they are going for this. That he's haggard, he's completely run down. He's at the end of his retirement. Well, that's the problem. If that if Skyfall was the fourth or the fifth Craig Bond mm. film, and there was a couple of films in between where it was just standard missions, we might buy into that a bit more. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's, yeah. And there's a reference to oh your knees must ache, must ache, which is which is nice. But if this if that was Roger Moore in View to a Kill, I'd be like, oh gosh, I absolutely believe that his e his knees are absolutely killing him. <laughs> but it's Daniel Craig who's what forty odd. He's got like a six pack and you know a Superman yeah. chest. It's like I don't believe his knees ache. It's like <laughs> he's got a, a run- horrendous running posture though. You know, yeah. I mean, that running posture. He's, he's trying to do he's Ethan. He's got to dodge your knees with that, isn't he? He's trying to do Ethan Hunt, isn't he? Possibly, 
just going back to something we might have discussed before, you've posited that, of course, Casino Rail and then Quantum of Solace, what, set 10 minutes later. So that means they're set as he's only just started as a double O agent. He is, isn't he? That's right. Yet, yeah, yeah, the yeah. next film, he is on the verge of retirement. So have we, has 20, has 20 years gone by? I don't... But then that's why you say your theory is that it is a soft reboot again, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, it's a funny one. I don't think you have to dismiss what's gone before because obviously you have to try and buy into the fact that Judy Dench has built up this motherly relationship with him. But I do think that there are certain elements, especially around characters and stuff, that this is another reboot. And if that is the case... That's the that's the producers holding the hands up and making and admitting that they made an absolute cock up on the last film, because two films before they just made a reboot again, and to make another reboot, and actually, regardless of your opinions on Casino Royale, critically and commercially, it was a success. Yes, of course. So it was on the right lines in general. It did what it was intended. So feel, I'll absolutely. So to feel then that you have to do a reboot again with only one film in between highlights how misguided that film before was. Yeah, I mean if I if I'm if I'm trying to be a bit defensive, just because someone's starting as it's there, you know, I don't know how long the career of a double O agent is, so it might be that you only you know, you you only start like maybe in your mid your early to mid thirties and then physically you're probably not at your was, was it 2006 Casino Royale and then yeah. this is 2012? So, so yeah. So, I don't know. It might be that six years. Um, I don't know how long a double O agent. I, mean, I imagine it lasts a bit longer than yeah. that. But, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether I think of it as a soft reboot, just as a bit of a fast-forward in time a little bit, or it, it just services the story, I think, for them, that he's he's haggard and he's he's old and he's you know he's not what he was um and it's a bit of sort of almost ptsd or, i don't know, or or something um it's not explored a great deal and yeah i don't i don't think it particularly works because he fairly quickly is back to what he should be isn't he that's that's why it doesn't work for me because it's his first mission back his first mission back he uh he, he does what he, he has to do. It's not really his fault that Patrice dies, or is it? I don't think. I don't know. You can't really see the fact. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, goes, he, he goes back because MI6, is, is, there's an explosion there. Isn't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you get the scene. Where he, so you, to go back, you get Mallory telling basically M that he, she, she's, you know, she's up for retirement. Pauses it like a massive brandy. <laughs> and then you get the, and obviously the, then you get the explosion and that's the thing that triggers Bond going back yeah which which which, which I, again, I, don't, I don't buy well it's not enough again yeah yeah it is it's, it, it's the, the cake on the river as they call it it's kind <laughs> of you know it, it, it's it just it's not enough and that's the problem that I have when I went back and watched it I, I feel that that the, 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 that's where the writing really lets it down. On paper, it should work, but it, the, there's just not enough for for that character to, to 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 go to an extreme to create a new life, and then to come back because there's an explosion at his office. 
which is essentially what it is, because you know, and M's still alive, but he go he goes back to, to to serve his country suddenly because someone's and he doesn't know anything about you know who who was the culprit or anything. We've, um, we've... It, of course, he he sees it on uh, CNN and he yeah. sees Wolf Blitzer, the uh, <laughs> the news the newsreader, and he is also in. Mission Impossible 4. Yes. So he's he made is. it into a James Bond film and a Mission Impossible film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fair, fair play to the lad. As has Leah to know. Yes. That's true. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> apart from the explosion, I forgot to, we forgot to mention M has also been hacked. She's had the think on your sins, computer virus, whatever that is. And then YouTube clips and things. M's, M's face is the queen. I like yeah. that. I, like <laughs> I, I don't want to go into the technicalities of it. It's a bit of hacking, but I think it adds it, it adds to Silver's character. He's crazy. Yeah, he's absolutely barmy, and and that fits in with the barminess. It fits in with the music when they're doing the William Tell shooting, the music with the helicopter at the end. This guy's a, a nutter, and um, I I'm I'm all on board with this. Comes across like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I uh, I um I agree with you, John. I think if I'm being cynical, and I'm going to be um, mentioning this quite a lot, it's the first of a sort of Joker type bit of a yes. off, and it's yeah, a bit of a you know, will, will the real Absolutely. Batman please stand up? Uh, and you know, with that, I don't know whether you remember, but when um, yeah. in the Dark Knight, when one of the copycat Batman gets gets hung and then bangs into the mayor's um, window, and yeah. he has a pin. Uh, clip. Uh, sorry, a card clipped to him, a joke card, and it says, "Will the real Batman?" I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. Uh, a written message like that. I, I just thought, crazy guy, you know, sending a message. Can't disagree with that. Yeah. No. I, 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 yeah. No. I think. I think it's clearly this is where it's coming from. I, I, but I think I, I may have mentioned this before that that you know hacking is literally the, the dullest thing that can be portrayed in films. <laughs> you know, someone had a laptop tapping away as if they're playing, you know, the piano, some scrolling text on a big screen. It's, it, it, for me, cinema, you know, this is cinema. It is, it is, it is boring and, it, and and you lack any kind of tension. It's just like, oh, he's hacking into this. And you're like, well, what's this? I don't know what I'm not. I, this makes no sense to me. But the threat, yeah, I, I completely agree with it. That, that idea that, that Silver would like say the, the use of music at the, on the island and then at the end kind of adds him adds a sort of an edge to him it's a shame that, that they don't i think uh, there's there's lots of contradictory kind of actions with the character who is attacks um using hacking but then goes to the hearing to shoot her in face to face and at the end goes to try and attack her that the, the, you know track her down it seems contradictory for me um but that, that sense of threat, I think, could be done better, but it does it does sort of hint at that nicely. But uh, I would rather not get into hacking and putting stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I, I don't think he, he is. He's supposed to be a cyber terrorist, and I, I understand it's not that thrilling to do that. But I don't. I don't think you see an awful lot of it in the film. I don't think yeah. it's. I don't think it's too bad. There's, there's, you know, Goldeneye. There's quite a lot of it, and and that's a that's a great, I mean, a great film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it's too bad, and and. In terms of that, the explosion, they say that, oh, you know, he wanted he wanted you to see it, whoever it was. They knew he should be out of the building, so he wanted her to see it. So that's why that happens. But 
uh, Silver, brilliant villain, but what is actually done with him and his plot and everything like that, we'll discuss it more, but um, I think there's there's issues with that. But yeah. Can't disagree. You say, Matt, that you, because it's sort of borrowing off uh, The Dark Knight, this is the Joker slash Silver trying to coax Bond out, but he's, he's trying to coax M, isn't he? Does he even know Bond doesn't recognise Silver? Does do they know each other? Oh yeah, we'll, I, we will get onto that. I, I don't think I don't think Silver's that interested in Bond at this point. It's only M. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I, I've no, I've, <laughs> yeah. I've no real issues with that to be honest. Uh, you know, it's quite a nice little catchy phrase, isn't it? Think on your sins. It's the kind of thing that casual viewers will remember. I think as a, like a threat from a baddie. Those sorts of phrases. We don't really explore in an awful lot of detail what was so bad about it, is it but, but we'll yes, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. We've got yes. Yeah, so Bond then, of course, sees the the attack on the, conveniently this bar. He he slept at the bar, I think. Is he? he? He certainly wakes up in the same position. Everybody else has gone home. He's got uh, a lock in, hasn't he? Yeah, except it's outdoor and there's no there's no doors to get in. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, what? yeah, I know. I'm sorry, John. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Now we go to M's apartment. Uh, six well, dead. You've missed, you've so missed we... the bit where you've missed the bit where uh, she starts looking on the tombstones with the flags. Yes, and she goes all yes, Liam Neeson for a minute. I'm getting it. I was I've been very excited about Judy Dench. I was I was waiting for her to finish the sentence. Like she says that she'll find them, but she never tells them that she'll kill them. I was devastated <laughs> at that bit. I was just waiting. <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting. I will find them. I will, <laughs> you know? I will kill you. <laughs> yeah. You get the is it six six dead? Is it? Is that so that double oh seven? No. Is that it's ten. It ten. says it says at least six at first okay. on the news article on the news scene fake but news. then it's fake it's, news. Uh, when she's talking to tanner or whoever it is with the tombstones it's 10 so yeah we get that the shot of the bodies in some presidential type building but then bond's obviously decided to somehow get back to london presumably because he's dead or mia he doesn't want to get seen so he goes directly to m's apartment because he does he i don't what does he go to M's apartment because yeah he's the only one closest to her not because he know he, he doesn't know that this is personally related to her he doesn't know about the the cyber attack on her laptop does he no none of that stage no no but I suppose I suppose if you've come back because you've seen a terrorist attack on your building your and the only reason you've come back because of that then you are going to go to your boss. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm absolutely. not saying that. Like, That's fair you know, enough. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's done well or anything. Or you know, the consistencies of how do you break in and stuff. But I haven't got a massive issue with with Bond no, no, no. going into M's apartment. No, no. I think it's fair enough that he goes to see um, that he goes to see M. I don't know why Daniel Craig's Bond keeps breaking into M's apartment. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why he did it in Casino Royale. I don't like that scene at all. And uh, then. But obviously he's done it again. He's got form, so uh, <laughs> so yeah. But I think the actual idea of him going to see M is is perfectly fine and reasonable, and probably the first thing he would do. I would. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I think what would would have been interesting is that Bond gets back and he goes to his flat, 
and the lock's been changed and it's been sold and there's someone else mm. there and he's like, hang on a second, what's, oh, hang on. And he go, and who else am I going to speak to? Oh, well, I know where Em lives because I've already broken into a house before. <laughs> and he goes and sees her. It's sort of, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, it's not, it's not, an, it's not a massive issue, but I just, again, it should, it could just add a bit more sort of, I don't know, it just could just be a bit more interesting. It's like, well, like, hang on a minute. Because obviously she tells him that he died and because he doesn't have any next of kin, his flat and everything is sold, you know, and I just thought that would be a bit more kind of interesting as opposed to just sort of turning up and her recognising him via the silhouette of his juggy ears in the, uh, in the window. <laughs> Don't make it personal, Vale. It's an odd scene in that, as I've said before, you've got to buy into the fact that Bond is depressed we're not sure why but even if we're forgetting that he is depressed and he's on his own he feels awful there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. M presumes he's dead. What? There doesn't seem to be any sort of like, oh, you're alive or anything like that. There's nothing. There's no, not particularly no, no chemistry between them. But Bond is angry at M for ordering the shots. They go over that, which is fine. I agree with that. Then M, all of a sudden, she's she's fine as long as he takes this test. I don't know. It's just a bit, the 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 chemistry team is very odd. I, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be a bit of British sort of tough, not tough love, but you know what I mean. You don't show too much affection for each other outwardly, but I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, one, one one thing I want to mention is I don't know. Is this business of Ronson because he says Ronson d- didn't make it, did he, or something like that? And I, I find that quite strange because he gets mentioned in the in the pre-title sequence almost straight away, and he's I don't know why he shouts at her, but he says, "I need to stop the bleeding." I don't know why he shouts at her like that, but yeah, um, <laughs> there, there seems to be some element that Bond has um, a kind of you know relationship, you know, a, a positive relationship with Ronson. But it, it, it's sort of only hinted at, and hmm. um, I don't know. I, I was, uh, and then a bit later, when M gives him his mission to follow Patrice, you know, and then terminate him for Ronson. So it might have been nice if, rather than doing that opening shot that they did, um, if they'd done a bit more of it—a background, not you know, not a big background of the mission, but just a bit of him speaking to Ronson, a bit of an introduction, so that there's a bit of a positive relation ship there and then that that puts you in you know within that that i don't know that he, that he would want to go after patrice and that you know but maybe maybe they felt that that was one too many 
you know, things for him to be worrying about. And obviously the whole film is about his positive, well, positive or negative, positive, just his relationship with M. So maybe they thought that would temper that a little bit. But I, anyway, that's what I, I, I was thinking because the, the, he, he mentions Ronson specific, you know, cause it's been months or yeah. since. So. No, I, yeah, no, you're right. It has, again, it has no sort of weight to that. It's not, it's not really believable. I don't believe that Bond is like really that worried about Ronson. And whether that whether there was a scene cut or whether there was something initially in the screenplay where it's like 009 at the beginning of Octopus, you know, he, he was this agent that was murdered and, and they had a personal relationship, would be, make it much more interesting and add a bit more weight. But it is, you, you literally find him bleeding in a chair and then it's like, you, there's no there's no relationship. He just finds him and then we're supposed to believe that actually Bond has some sort of, you know, relationship with this character but we never see any of it so then it it's just uh, something that's mentioned in passing and it's, it's a shame because it's those things that would make it much more interesting and make bond much more rounded because he actually has a relationship with someone else who's in the field and you know it maybe has similar issues or has you know uh, you know what what have you you know i i, I just think it's it, again is a slightly wasted opportunity to sort of make Bond a bit more sort of well-rounded because the film is suggesting that Bond is, is, is there's a bit of, you know, I'm out for revenge on Ronson. You see, I'd like to say, you know, Living Dale likes to keep wanting to mention it, but I, I really love the, um, the relationship between him and Saunders. Mm. And then, so when Saunders is killed, you, yeah. you feel something and you feel that, yeah. right, well, he will want to get, yeah. sort of revenge you know he'll want to it's, avenge that death yeah no, no, i'm not saying they would have had enough time for this but i don't know it just seems weird that they mention it a few times about ronson and then they don't really do much with it but does exactly what it says maybe but how much <laughs> but then how much screen time does he does that character have in 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 the living daylights it is it is minimal but that is just enough for you to for, to, for them to start off where they clash they don't get on but then that scene in the cafe where he says, I'll do, you know, th- th- there's a moment of like, yeah, the, the, the really bond and he walks out the door and obviously, you, get, you know, he's killed. And, it, and that's the impact. That's the scene is all about is that suddenly he's died. If, if he jumped to that scene, he'd be like, I don't care about him because, you know, in the opening scene, he seemed like a pen pusher. He seemed like someone I don't care about. Yeah. But because they don't get on and then eventually, actually, there is that sense of, Actually, you're not such a pain in the ass. You're not such a pen pusher. You know, you're going to help me get on with my job. It completely pays off, and that scene has weight because suddenly you believe Bond is like you've killed one of mine, and I will go out and I'll get you. Yeah, and 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 that's the that, that's the issue I have with this is that it sets it up, but it never fulfills you know the the the, the sort of narrative kind of weight to to these kind of characters, and it would be so much more interesting, and um, if they just giving it a little bit of time for these sort of moments. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. M says bloody three times in the scene. <laughs> Potty mouth. Yeah. Well. We, we get a bit of Turkish music because it's London. I don't know whether that was <laughs> to link it back. I found that very jarring. I don't know why that. I don't get it. Maybe it was to link it back with what had happened had gone on there, but I doubt it. So then we move on to the the Batcave, 
the underground layer. I'm sure Matthew, you'll, you'll pass comment on. Well, I didn't think that's a, I, I, um, a decision. I again. thought this was Harry being harsh, harsh, but Harry again because <laughs> obviously we watched the night. Harry like Dark Knight. Yeah, Johnny will be allowed. Dark Knight. He uh, he relocates to a sort of underground base rather than a, a bat cave. You I thought that. I think. I think that's. I did. I had never thought that, and I think that's. That's for me. That isn't a problem. <laughs> um, obviously, the new digs aren't glamorous, but that, that's what it's supposed to be. Well, they'd have to be because be. the building's blown up. To be fair, yeah, so you can't really criticise yeah. that. So, so I, yeah. So I, no, I, I have no issue with it. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's a building underground, like Bruce Wayne goes to, but it's it's Churchill's, it's Churchill's yeah. war barrier, uh, war. What's the word? Bunker. Sorry. It's 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 pointing to the Britishness of the film again. It's yeah. it's really patriotic. I think I love it. I, I haven't got a problem with this whatsoever. I think it's great. I think it's probably where an MI6 Secret Service should be, rather than yeah. the, one of the most obvious buildings. <laughs> yeah, the you're on it. Yeah. <laughs> Good, decent set too as well. It's, it's quite a decent Pinewood effort, I think. Yeah, we, uh, um, I also think that Rob, if Rob were here, he'd like to mention. Um, or am I jumping the gun a bit? No, no, um, the jogging gear, the like, the jog, the the, oh, the yeah. sweater. Adidas the, trainers. Um, the Adidas trainers, yeah. Adidas gazelle would be wanting to mention oh, all that. Yeah, gazelle. Yeah, beard. I don't know. It's quite, oh. quite crisp clothing. Well, well, it kind of goes with the it's his drinking outfit, isn't it? I mean, he might as well just yeah. man union looking <laughs> like that, you know. Got my joggers on, going down to Corbiers for Heineken, mate. You know, yeah. Just going down, going to, down the to the Robert Shaw. Yeah, <laughs> the Robert Shaw. <laughs> Get a pint of blonde witch. <laughs> yeah, dear me. So yeah, we're still meant to think he was pretty depressed. To be fair, in the M apartment scene, he's then still a bit looks dishevelled and obviously he's struggling with his. He looks so well, doesn't he? And then he's got Bane's mask on. I'm only joking. I'm just unnecessarily linking this in with that. <laughs> Obviously, up. you know they were filmed in the same year. So I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. We've got um, much bigger, bigger, you know, bigger Batman yeah, comparisons to come. So we'll let, yeah. we'll let. We will. A mask yeah. off. Is this the first ever Bond training montage? I suppose he, he Thunderball. He went to that resort, didn't he? But it's it's almost like a, a Rocky style. Trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but then with with with, with Tanner. Blathering on these, yeah, yeah. it's like shut up, Tanner. I'm trying to leave these lifts. And <laughs> kill you, why is he? Like, why is he telling him the mission before he's passed the test? They're going to pass it anyway, isn't it? We win it, Tanner is no. I mean, I I love Tanner, but he's useless in this film. I mean, the, it's the, <laughs> I am well jumping the gun, but if we're going to go on about Tanner bashing, we may as well go to the worst bit. Is is that oh. it's when M's at the inquiry. And he's trying to say, come on, we need to go. Come on, we need to go. And he's not getting anywhere. And then uh, Silver comes yeah. in and shoots. And if you actually pause it, he's hid under the table. <laughs> and it's actually Mallory. It's actually he's a field Mallory you see. He actually ducks under the table. It's like, you are the worst chief of staff ever. <laughs> Abandons his staff when they're all under attack. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the, the the training sequence with the the, the firing range, where he's like yeah. 
insulin teenager again it's like i've missed it i'm gonna do this like let me fire a shot like it's just it's like oh come on and then the psychology test which is oh oh right here we go get my dictionary hang on a minute (laughs) (laughs) what's this provocative provocatrix is that in the uh is that is that is that english is that a real word did he make that one up i I had a look, and apparently it is actually. Really oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> it entered the dictionary. It's actually 2012. Like... <laughs> <laughs> One of the new words. For reference, yeah. Skyfall. <laughs> Skyfall. Yeah. So M M's a bitch. So that's a bit moody teenager, isn't it? Mother issues. Why do they mention Skyfall other than they know that the plot of the film means the end of the film is going to be there? Why on earth would they put? Them? I think you've answered it, I mean, the question. Well, is it, it's going back to psychologies to provoke a, to provoke an emotional reaction of some sort. Course, it can assess, I assume. What's so um, bad? What's so bad about Skyfall? I can't. I'm just trying to think there. Well, it's that scene where M M talks about how orphans always made the best agents. So you, you take that in a sense of that is is it? I mean, it's almost a bit born like, as in you take <laughs> a troubled orphan yeah and you're making them into a killing machine and uh, i suppose when they're saying the name of the house what they're doing is as Matt said they're drawing back those emotions because they need to see if those emotions can be controlled uh, and used to actually be a secret agent or is he just going to go off and pretend to die and then go and drink heineken again on a on a beach with a scorpion you know you don't know do you <laughs> It works cinematically. I'll give it that. I, you know, it is a again. The audience would would remember this scene. It's quite it's quite interesting to see. Skyfall's done. I don't. Anyway, I love that the guy he pops up in like, some murders, doesn't he, and stuff like that. The actor. He's on uh, lots of British TV shows. <laughs> I think it's worth it just for Mallory to turn to, to, to Emma. So, but she say, doesn't he say something like, "This is going well." that's absolutely uh, the payoff of those things also one for our um, our brothers uh, for your reconsideration uh, pod Um, I mean this is as tenuous as links get but (laughs) what what, what it says heart target that's quite close to hard target I wonder That's what all us JCVD fans would say if we, we heard the word hard. And, target, target. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, apologies. Love it. No, I'd, it, it's a bit silly, but I like that scene. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a pass. Great scene. I'll give it a good pass, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, yeah. Tom. Then we, we're back underground post-training. We mentioned, John, that he removes the shrapnel and asks for it to be analysed. And that, to be fair, is a bit. It links with the plot, doesn't it? Because somehow that that shell link can connect him to Patrice, the Matthew Fox lookalike. <laughs> Isn't it handy that it's that, that that shell is only used by a small amount of people? <laughs> in fact, three Lazar. people who photographs. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like which one is it out of these three? That you I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Especially when it gets to Spectre and uh, <laughs> Q puts a ring on her laptop, and then and then a diagram comes up of how they're all linked. All the oh, villains. No. Come on. Come on. I thought that was. Uh... 
I, we've had I, people uh, who use one round. I, th- I think I think the shr- the shrapnel's not. I think that's fine. Yeah, we've had gold yeah, I'd, I'd bullets no with that. Scaramanga before and all that yeah. stuff. It's similar stuff. Come the on. We've... Oh, I'm, I'm not having that. Some criticism. <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> oh, dear. You're tearing so apart one of my favourite films. I've got to read Oh, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sorry. It's just the thread. I'm just pulling at the thread. The I know. <laughs> the seams have come wide <laughs> open. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Oh. <laughs> Money Penny does apologise, isn't she? And it, she was suspended. For killing Bond. Well, that's only fair, isn't it? She was kind of like she was kind of like softly shifted over to help Mallory with the shift over in it. It's uh yeah. it's one of these polite suspensions, yeah. Just killed an agent. But no, it was it was M, of course, who get, got the assist. She doesn't seem too surprised to see him or emotional, but there is a bit of flirting, isn't there? Because obviously they want to form that relationship in the, the office. For the for the forthcoming films, I'm assuming that's why it's done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bit of a rhetorical. No, but, the, uh, sort of no, but that's the, that's the they want to create the they want the end result to be the the classic Bond and Money Penny flirting, but not too much. Yeah, atmosphere, don't they? Yeah. So we've we've do, we've mentioned the backstory and the writing of the character might not be the best, but that's where they want to end up, which is at least yeah. in line with yeah. uh, the traditions of Bond. Bond passes his tests. Well, we're told he passes his tests. He meets Mallory, who wonders why he didn't stay dead. And then we get another reference. It's a young man's game. There's an apprentice sort of quote, hire me or fire me, I've written down here. But then M does back him. It's a bit like uh, Bernard Lee's M. And in Goldeneye, she does back him in the end, even though she sort of just slated him. There is that grudging... Admiring of Bond, and uh, obviously the, the test results were fudged because she needed him. She wanted him to get back in, back in the fold. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's like well, that's when it sort of becomes a bit interesting. It's like, oh well, oh she's, you know, she wants him back, even though she spends all the time telling him off. But and then there's a bit of tension with, with Mallory. You know, what does he say? Something like, "Don't cock it up" or something. Yeah. Which is a great, which is again, it's like trying yeah. to, you know, keep. You need to put Bond in his place now and then. You know, if he mess, makes a mess of it, it needs to be told. But you know, and it's kind of making him more human. Is that he makes a mess of a mission, but you know, he goes off and 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 you know, does something amazing. You know, by the end of the film, that that's the sort of stuff that I want. It's just a bit of tension mm. between the characters, and, and you know, sort of mix it up where it isn't just everything's on a plate for them. It's like off you go. Good, it's good actors doing a decent scene again. I think, to be fair, do you know where we are now? And I'm, I'm sorry, we've come to the queue. We've come to the introduction of queue. And my, my views on Ben Wishaw's queue are probably famous by now. So I'm not gonna. Uh, in fact, I'll just start by saying that about Ben Wishaw, of course, he has starred in two films with Daniel Craig. Can you, can you guys name them? Before, before Skyfall, Chris has. No, they were in Layer Cake. Yes, correct. That's one of them. Yeah, is it Chris has mentioned the other one. On ben no, it's not Mother, but it is uh, Roger Michelle. It's the same with a hot air balloon. Mark Roger Michelle. Oh, Disney and the Queue. Um, yeah, oh, God, what's it called? Really the misleading the title. Hot air balloon. <laughs> I can't remember. Enduring it's love. Enduring that. love. Good film. Yeah, but yeah, another uh, good performance by Craig. 
Yeah, which you would yeah, do that in both. <laughs> ben, Ben, wish your famous roles include perfume, uh, the underrated Cloud Atlas. My word, if you haven't seen that, what a weird film, what a misunderstood film. Anyway, for your reconsideration, lads, please, please. He was also in uh, Mary Poppins Returns and, of course, the voice of Paddington. I don't know any, if anyone had seen really good British series. It's probably getting on for 10 years now yes. called Criminal Justice. And that became the night of, and both of them are two of the best TV programmes I've probably seen in the last 10 years. Absolutely superb stuff yeah. there. Did any of you watch The Hour? No. Yes. Was that a spy thing? I, no. Very good. No, uh, so it was it was about the BBC, and Ben Wishaw was the one of the main journalists. It, Dominic West was in it as well, and Romola was it Garai? Right. Her name, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah Peter yeah. Capaldi in it. Honestly, one of the best BBC dramas of the last ten years, at least, and well, probably probably fifteen years now, actually. Yeah. But that's the first thing I saw Ben Wishaw, and I thought, wow, this guy's going places. Absolutely tremendous. Yeah, he's, isn't a, that? he's obviously had a great career. He's he's recently he hadn't won any awards until recently, until he did Russell T. Davis's A Very English Scandal with Hugh Grant. I'm your new quartermaster. You must be joking. He sort of represents sort of one of the conflicts in the film, which is between um, the old and the new. Oh, has it? I can do more damage on my laptop sitting in my pajamas than you can do in a year in the field. He's the new breed, really, of intelligence. And it's largely conducted through cyberspace and cyber kind of warfare. So why do you need me? Every now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. I've tried, I suppose, to not think too much about the responsibility and just focus on the story that we're telling in Skyfall. Of course, it's important to understand the history of the franchise, but at the same time, this feels really like a new chapter. Author PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Ben Wishaw, yeah. My 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 uh, my views... Are, I'm sounding like Hugh Grant now, aren't I? Uh, my views on it are pretty, <laughs> pretty famous, like I say. Uh, jo- John, you, you start. Go on, one. His uh, characterization of Q and, and the characterization of Q in these films. I think it's the only way to go for the Craig character. You had Q, and with Q, you obviously beforehand with Desmond Llewellyn, you had this kind of older quartermaster who's rolling his eyes at Bond's adolescent quips. The only problem is, is that Daniel Craig doesn't make adolescent quips, he just sulks. So you can't have an older Q who is basically <laughs> giving him... You can't do it. It doesn't work. So And and the whole purpose of Skyfall, or one of the purposes, is the focus of Bond versus M, but one of the other focuses is the tension between old and new. Yes. And uh, is Bond still relevant? Is Bond still relevant there? And to bring in a Q, who is a young, geeky, um, cyber wizard, is completely out of Bond's comfort zone and really highlights this whole aspect of old versus new. And you can't, I think the dialogue, some of it's 
really good. I think there's stuff such as the what they say is it um, youth doesn't mean innovation and age doesn't mean experience doesn't mean wisdom or something like that. But really good dialogue. And what I do like in this film is I feel that they go on a bit of a journey and they um, they get some begrudging respect for each other towards the end of the film. We're going to get onto the line about exploding pens that obviously you're going to gag about. I admit <laughs> it's a snob. I admit it's a snobby line, but I think it acknowledges that it's a snobby line. Later on, Silver laughs at this and he says, "I've got my yep. latest gadget from the toy he shop." Too. And uh, and he touched this. It's a phone or it's a radio. So he's a, so I think it's a deliberate thing that they're pointing about. We're not going doing this. We're doing it this way. We, I may not agree with it, but I can see what they're doing. It's not just trying to be like, oh, we're being completely relevant. It's deliberate to the plot. I also think the exploding pens thing is a nicer way of subtly referencing previous Bond films rather than die another day that basically just bashes you over the head <laughs> with, with the exact same scene. Ben Wishaw, I much prefer him in Skyfall than I do Spectre. Problem isn't with Spectre, it wasn't with him in it. It's more what they do with him and, and getting disobeying him, getting putting him in the field again, Avengers Assemble, blah, blah, blah. But for the sake of what they're trying to get out of Skyfall, yes, I like Ben Wishaw. So well argued, John. I can't disagree with anything you've said. My criticism isn't necessarily what they've done with him isn't relevant to the plot. It's just I don't like that character. But that's fine because... You're not meant to like every character in films, you know. I, at least, it get it makes me engage with Bond more because on that I'm on Bond's side. When he's going on about the old school, that means all oh, right, yeah, I'm with Bond on this argument. You know, second level dialogue, whatever, and the nice little line, the throwaway line at the end about the pen. It works well with the audience, and the audience at the cinema laughed. They really enjoyed that, and I can't yeah. deny that it's 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 crowd pleasing and. It's it's almost a middle finger up at Desmond Llewellyn, you could argue, at one extreme, in the you know, what what why why do I hate why am I being sort of in on some joke where I'm meant to laugh at silly gadgets because that's part of one of the reasons I love the Bond films. But I agree, for the purposes of this film and Craig's characterization, it works. It works. I think John's argued it really well there. And I think I think they couldn't, they had to do something different to Desmond Llewellyn because as we discussed on the M episode, one of the problems with Robert Brown, which I, I don't have a problem with Robert Brown is, but it was just sort of more of the same. So if they now had, well, they, they sort of tried to do John Cleese sort of bringing him in and he he almost had an identical relationship in Die Another Day to Bond that, um, uh, that Desmond Llewellyn had, which was like exasperated, you know, you keep forcing me to, you know, you keep ruining this equipment and we do this stuff for you and you don't appreciate us and everything like that. So they had to do something different. They, de- I, I think they had to do something different. Otherwise it'd just be, it'd be a com- too easy to compare probably, you know, an inferior Desmond Llewellyn. So, so they had to go down this younger route and this different vibe and, I, th- I think I think the banter's quite good. It's quite funny, like you say. I think most people would would be on Bond's side, and I know you wouldn't like the guy, but 
I, you know, you know, you're not really meant to. I think, I think, I think they're quite good scenes. I, I don't like the exploding pen line. It annoys me a bit. You know, like you say, gadgets were were a big thing and 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 everything. And I just think it's a little bit too dismissive. And I don't necessarily think the audience are that on board with that idea. So, but other than that, I I'm I'm okay with with Ben Whishaw as as Q and this incarnation of Q in 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 this film. Yeah, there are issues with him, Inspector, but well, that's a that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely. Sorry, let me start there. Let me put my teeth back in. I think what John had to say really eloquently is absolutely bob on. I think what he had to say about the character and the reasoning is 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 just you know hits the spot completely. And I agree with him completely. I I quite like the character. I think it's quite nice to have that dynamic of the the kind of the young kind of techie, the sort of the hipster, you know, that that age dynamic and, and, and the rest of it, I think works really well. The only criticism I have is that, that even though you have the diss of the exploding pen, which in this, this circumstance is far more useful than a tiny, <laughs> tiny radio and a gun <laughs> that you want to use in one scene because it, again, is at the behest of the, the writers who decide to, let's write one scene where someone picks up the gun and they can't use it because it's a gun that can only be used by Bond. That's my only criticism of, of Q. I, I think it's a great addition to, you know, the the, the Daniel Craig era. Um, it would have would have been really nice if he just handed him his Walter PPK and said, "Here you go, off you go," kind of thing. You know, we've got you back. Uh, he's, you know, he's just a normal radio or whatever. But it had to have a little twist. And, I, and for me, it's again, it's it's that it's. It sort of hits the spot, but for me, just misses ever so slightly. If it just been, if they were playing it straight, it should have just been here's your Walter PPK, and that's it. Off you go. This is how you get in touch with Q Branch type thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. I mean, the the personalized handgun thing is is a oh to license to kill, isn't it? With the um, with the personalized sniper rifle, absolutely. Rifle. And. I, and I and I just think again, it's another little subtle nod that they put throughout the film, without bashing over the head like Guy Another Day did. Whether you like it or not, it's a different. Story. No, no, no. That I think you're right. I mean, the joke is that, like you said, the the radio transmitter that he's given is larger than the one that fits in his healing 1963's gold gold finger. But again, is that that, that might be deliberate? I, <laughs> I uh, it's a little aerial that does it for me. <laughs> yeah, the area like that. Any area that pops yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he gets his Walter in a in a sort of basic box, which is quite nice. I probably I agree, I think it's quite a good idea to have a younger, much younger Q. But I'd probably have done him more as a sort of a night maybe a sort of nicer guy. He wasn't so uppity to his superior, effectively. And who a bit more is, like Simon Pegg in um in yeah. Impossible, maybe. Yeah, well. yeah. I know he's more age, uh, not yeah. the age thing, but I I can understand both. You know, both if you've done it either way, it works to an extent. There's a lie, isn't there, about because you still have spots. I, mean, I can't believe you didn't mention that one, but um, <coughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the cardigan that puts me off more than anything. But we'll give again. We'll give Ben Wishaw. We'll give Ben, ben Wishaw a nice pass here. Money Penny later says that he's scared of flying. Actually, I'd, I'd forgotten that. And yet he gets out to Austria in the next film, absolutely fine. Oh, thank you, John. 
I served you up. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, you get. We see Q later, doesn't he? He's playing a video game. Uh, it's in the Dark Knight. The ending. Anyways, right. Bond then is sent to an exotic location, very Bond, uh, Shanghai. I'm not sure. I don't think Bond's been to Shanghai before. I might be wrong. But John Logan, one of the writers, asserted that they deliberately sought locations that were in opposition to London. He went to places that were more exotic for him to feel more uncomfortable away from the capital and away from his home comforts. But to be fair, if you... Think about that. He'd already chosen to be in an exotic location at the start of the film. Anyway, many, many of the scenes weren't actually filmed on location in Shanghai. Bond's absolutely gorgeous hotel swimming pool, which I love. He was That was actually the virgin active pool in Canary Wharf. So, slightly to destroy <laughs> your... Yeah. But it, look, it, you know, it looks good. Well, at least we, we could go on a trip there, though. Oh, <laughs> know, can't it's we? a lot yeah. more getting than... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shanghai. The entrance to London's Broadgate Tower was lit to look like an office building there. And do you know where the scenes at Shanghai Airport, where Bond is in his fetish cap and glasses? Do you know where that was? Uh, <laughs> do you know that that was filmed. <laughs> it was no, it was filmed at somewhere where uh, the old and retiring MI6 team go to the to 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 go for a flutter in one of the Bond films. Royal Ascot, Ascot. Ascot race car. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Get a wiggle on. The interior of the the Golden Dragon Casino in Macau uh, was actually a soundstage at Pinewood. Gorgeous set. We'll we'll get onto that later. Mm. Again, Beautiful. we've had the Turkish music for for London, of course, and we don't get Oriental music for Shanghai, which of course is uh, inconsistent. We uh, very quick shots of uh, Bond at the uh, swimming pools, we've said, and then a hotel bar. And yeah, right. Let's get on with it. let's get on with this Love amazing that outfit that Bond is wearing. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's an office temp. <laughs> he doesn't look like James Bond. He looks like he's just a little bit lost yeah. at the uh, the Christmas party, the office temp the <laughs> party at the bar. I laugh out loud when I see him in that in that hat. Does he have some, does he have some cop shades on as well, maybe? Or? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dear me. I mean, I should say, but let's give a, a shout-out to Roger Deakins for some of this. Uh, yes. For some of the yeah. visuals. Yeah, absolutely. Outrageous. That 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 opening one, you know, is brilliant. And then and then also, I absolutely love, I love the colours when they're driving. And I love I loved that shot of the, um, the sort of, uh, ring roads or whatever, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Obviously, that's um, stunning. Obviously, that's a link to a nod to Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Of course, the absolutely incredible twenty-minute smashing up of Shanghai in the dark with the neon lights. No, it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's a lovely. Like I, said, I like it when Bond goes to these places. Like that's particularly. Man with the Golden Gun comes under a lot of criticism for different things, but the feel of being there for me gives sort of raises, elevates it a little bit. And the feel, particularly in those days when they didn't, you didn't really see those countries. And we mentioned Octopus in India. I love it when Bond is in these places. So I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, yeah. Bond in Shanghai. I, I, I'm a massive fan of it, and I think it looks absolutely stunning. I think 
Shanghai is a metropolis. It's not. It's not particularly. Um, oh god! <laughs> it's not. It's not particularly. Yeah. When you have the generalized stereotypical view of what you think China looks like, it's yeah. Not. Yeah. It's not like. It's certainly not like Beijing. It's. 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 It's a. It's a metropolis view. It, it's all about skyscrapers. It's all about height, and density. Deakin's shots are utterly sensational and they capture that. But I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I get a good idea of what Shanghai's like from this film. I think apart from looking at the initial shots, a lot of it is actually inside. Whereas Macau, the first thing I think of when I think of Macau now is, I want to go on one of them boats. That's the first oh, thing I think yes. of, just because of the scenes. Yeah. So it, it puts a visual in my head. Um, but that is not taken yeah. away from unbelievable well, cinematography. I might be able to help you out, John, because there's a film that was um, released in 2008 called The Dark Knight, and um, <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen it. But in uh, in oh. that, he goes to uh, Hong Kong, and Hong it's Kong, necessary he that he's on a skyscraper, and he goes to he goes to another skyscraper, and uh, and guess what? <laughs> that's what that's what happened. I, I, <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Sorry. I didn't want to say that, but yes, that was one of my notes as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was note four of I, Dark Knight I, references. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. But that aside, and the weird outfit that Bond's in, I enjoy watching this scene. The music, not sure, not sure. It's a bit. No, I don't know. It's sort of like constant beat and. Yeah. It's very bad. I think that that that, that uh, nightscape of, of, of Shanghai and the music, the the, the, the way it's shot and that, and like I say, the music on that was the most explicitly kind of dark night for me. It was like it was really kind of stood out. It's like oh, this sounds like Hans Zimmer. This looks like yeah. the, the, the cityscape in, in Dark Night. But yeah, cinematography is is, is great. Um, the glasses, classic um, disguise of glasses, cap at an airport. Of course, no one would recognise him, even though he's 40 months off the train. <laughs> but you know, fair <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you, John. On um, I didn't think about that. That it, as as much as it is well shot, and I like Bond going to these places. We don't meet any Chinese people, do we? Why why couldn't Bond perhaps have met? Someone in that silly outfit, or a dri- his driver could have been Chinese, or Station Station S, mm-hmm. something like that. that. This this scene could have been set in any Alpha city in the world. This could quite easily have been in twenty five different American cities, for example, because yeah. it's all about density height. Yeah, maybe a bit of a missed opportunity there, but Bond then as the driver. So I, th- I don't know if he's in disguise. I assume so. He casually watches Patrice murder the security guard. It's all very quiet at night. Yeah, then we get the lift, the sort of lift scene, the bit where Bond jumps up and a bit like, um, is it on View to a Kill? On the, the Eiffel Tower? And Superman 3. Yeah, he's that's, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah, on a View to a Kill, he stood on top. I don't think Roger could hang on the bottom of it. I don't no, know. no, no. But Less believable. So- it just, it's not Roger, man. Sorry, it's I think it's silly, isn't it? Running, jumping, hanging on to the bottom of the lift—it's it's so unnecessary. It's like, again, oh, it's at odds with the idea that this is, yeah, that it, that it's supposed to be a grounded kind of, a slightly grittier kind of bond. But there he is, jumping and hanging on the bottom of a of a lift. 
it's just, just for me it's a bit unnecessary why can't you just like because there's no one in that building apart from the dead security guards that person's just killed and a jellyfish check what floor he's done yeah, oh yeah it's a bit like uh, that gorgeous Hamburg H headquarters slash club that Elliot Carver has I mean how much do you want to go there <laughs> <laughs> What an office Christmas party that would be, my word. <laughs> Going on over to Elliot. <laughs> but that, but the, the whole scene is, to, is essentially worth it just for the, that cinematography when he gets up yeah. and oh. you get, like, say, the, the images and the and the doors and the, oh. the, sort of the glass doors and the walls and things and, and the fact that it's constantly changing. And it is like a, a precursor to some of the stuff he does in Blade from it. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it, it is. Yeah, just, yeah. It's a, a real standout moment for Bond. This is, you know, this is beyond what's been sort of shot before. Yes. <laughs> I have a couple of quibbles <laughs> with the following. I know thing. what you're going to say. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Which is, you know, obviously he uses this like laser thing to cut the glass, but then literally he, like, he gets pushed during the fire gets pushed against the glass and it shatters within you know? <laughs> it's like, well, which is it? you have to take a laser to cut the glass it's so thick and you're so high up or if you sneeze directly on the glass it shatters <laughs> it's kind of like I, no, I think you might shoot it I think there might be a shot no it is he does I think, it, I think someone knocks it I don't think I don't know if they shoot it but then if he can shoot it why don't you just shoot through the glass in the first place it's just it, it, for me it's just it's again a little bit like, oh, every time I think, oh, this is going to be... Yeah. That scene is fantastic. It's like, it just is beyond, beyond. And then you sort of lose it with the writing, which is the setup of, oh, and he pushes him out the window and I, well, drops. I, again, sorry to jump in. Yeah. Um, the it, the lighting and everything, it's absolutely, it's stunning. Oh, it really is, you know, breathtaking. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, Harry did mention, you know, oh, we don't really go in for all that anymore, any gadgets. And then Patrice has got this gorgeous gadget which cuts out the uh, thing. So he's going he's going in for the gadgets. Um, but then I, I, do, I do like, you know, there is a bit of tension that he's, he, with, with the, he's going to shoot this guy. Although I don't know who that is. Is it, is it just uh, uh, yeah. some someone that um, Stingy asked him, uh, Silver's asked him oh. to. But it, it, again, I, I quite like the way that you see Severine there. I, th- I, li- I like mm. that, and it's like, well, who, who's she? Like, well, that, that, you know, this, this figure and, and, and everything. Yeah, who is she? Um, but <laughs> right, kid. The fight is quite difficult to make out who's who, and it's quite difficult to make out much of what what's quite happening, you know. And then suddenly. Patrice is hanging out of the out of the window. I don't know. I, I, again, I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity for a really good fight, and I don't think it. I'm going to come back to Living Daylights again. One of the best fights, fist fights in a um, in a Bond film that I love is the kitchen fight, which doesn't even involve yes. Bond. It's between Necros and and that security guard. And oh, you know, yes. if I was directing a Bond film, I'd be like. Oh, I've got to emulate that fight. And, a, and another one that I know we, we've discussed, I've certainly discussed it with Chris recently, is the Bond and Trevelyan fist fight, which yeah. Yeah. would, would look good nowadays. Yeah. yeah, so so I, I would just, I just, I can't believe that you're a director and you don't, when you get a chance for a good fist, fist fight, 
you don't take it as much as that or try to do a bit of that or something. I don't know, I just think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, because because he's not an action director. He, he, he came at it as, uh, artistically, which is him and Roger Deakins going, wouldn't it be lovely if you just see the entire fight in a long take, moving closer to them in yeah. silhouette? But really, when you watch it, it's not a satisfying fight, is yeah. it? It is, like you say, it's just a bit... It looks, it looks aesthetically oh, gorgeous, yeah. but... But there's no end of the fight. The no. geography, yeah, yeah. it's not. <laughs> you don't know who you're yeah. Who. yeah, exactly. Geography, it's, yeah, and, and it sort of just ends really quickly as well. It, you know, the, the tension to the him, you know, approaching that character is really high, and then they actually get into the, the scrap, and it's kind of just lost within yeah. seconds. Like the window breaks, <clears throat> excuse me, and then and then he's out, he's hanging, he's all like. Who do you work for? <laughs> it's a bit reminiscent of um, Austin Powers. Precursor again, to the next. <laughs> yeah, it's <something. laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's a shame. It's a shame because it it, it doesn't quite live up to it. But uh, yeah, it's just beautifully Every, shot. Scene. Everything else about you know, apart from the fight, the. So putting that to one side, I you know I love watching this scene, and and I think, like I say, and I also like the way it introduces Severine. I, I really, you know, so yeah. So I don't want to be too Modigliani negative. Modigliani painting, yeah. Modigliani painting those the, the way that those figures are. Did you notice that in the in the gallery or whatever that she's she's at? The lovely thin character. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Well, it's it's made, the track is named after. Yeah, that, I was going to say that. It's named Modigliani. Oh, right. so there you go. Right, oh. Isn't it a good job that also the person who was shot in the back of the head didn't spray his blood all over that painting? Which is yeah, I was expecting that to happen. It's like wiping it down with a wet wipe. <laughs> oh, it's okay. In 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 the fight, uh, I, what I quite liked about it is that you, when the window is smashed, you can hear the wind, and you can hear that. You really get that vivid sense that you're there, and that I thought that that was pretty effective. The Severine, they have that sort of glance over, don't they? So she sort of sees Bond. You, at that point, do you think she knows who he is, particularly? No, I, I don't think. I think it's a nice little kind of Bond kind of gets to disappear into the shadows. See, I don't think there's I don't think there's any kind of recognition. I think she's like, oh, you know, who's this? Who's this guy? And it's kind of mixed things up a bit and spanning the works type. But it is really essentially an opportunity for, for, for Bond to just disappear into the shadows, which works quite well. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I also think there's the, the interesting thing that, um, you know, obviously she doesn't try to, um, like, shoot at him or anything like that. She's like, you know, there's an, there's an element of, like, intrigue and, you know, who, who who is this person who's just disposed of the person we've had, you know, do this assassination, execution, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's like a, I think I, I, you know, I think it's a nice little, uh, nice little moment and a nice sort of way for two characters to sort of meet without actually meeting. I mean, I've got to be honest. I I don't look at this from a critical perspective. I just go, "Crikey Moses, who is she?" <laughs> that, that's basically <laughs> what I do when I see that. <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it works in that you you're allured to her, aren't you? The audience are thinking, "Wow!" Even if it's for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> They're not thinking, "Oh, wow, she looks like might look like she's got a backstory in the sex trade." <laughs> I'm thinking that, but uh, we will get to that. 
it, it, it does. It, it often it, it's the start of intrigue, isn't it? It's like she she's looking over, he's looking over. It's like, oh well, is something going to happen between these two characters? Um, it does and it doesn't. But you know, it, it's kind of yeah. There's there's a bit of mystery. There's a bit of intrigue there, and it, I think it's quite nice to to have to, and also to introduce a, a character um, relatively like what well, almost midway, isn't it? Like, mm. Yeah, because we don't yeah. get uh, to introduce properly to uh, Ralph Silver until actually, I think it's about exactly halfway through the film. So this is pretty, I don't know, is this about a third of the way, something like that? So yeah, you're right. It is quite late to be introducing more than main characters. Uh, we'll, we'll talk well, more I mean, fully about uh, Berenice Molo's character when we get to her bigger scene with, uh, with, with Craig in the casino, but... Uh, for, for now, I was going to say I quite like. There's a bit of detective work from Bond here in that he collects that casino chip. I always like it when Bond or Batman or whoever picks up a little clue in the sort of Sherlock Holmes vein, and uh, that leads him to his next thing. I know it's a classic A to B to C, isn't it? But I, I thought that was old school Bond. I think that chip as well is absolutely sensational. Like they need to do a James Bond poker set with that chip in. It's one of the crispest chips going. <laughs> it's it's like you miss it. Forget the forget that really cheap 007 aftershave that the uh, that they bring out every Christmas at oh, Body Care. Yeah. Get some of these. Get some of these Macau chips going. And I'll I'll have that for Christmas. <laughs> did you ever have that, John? Did Did you ever? Did anyone buy it for you? That yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, my dad bought it for me. Yeah, along with Links Atlantis and um, <laughs> Java. I, I, I watched. You know, when I was telling you before about, I watched this thing about Daniel Craig's lifestyle and all this stuff. It oh, said yeah. on it like his favorite shoe brand, and then it said his favorite aftershave, and he put a picture double O seven aftershaves. Like, yeah, of course it is me. You know? <laughs> 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 Contractually obliged. Did he buy that from Body Care. Double O seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dearie me. Well, bless him. Bless him. Join us for part three, where Bond hits Macau, encountering a casino, dragons, shaving foam, and a troubling shower. Plus, we meet legendary villain Raul Silva. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.